What's up, Overcomers? Welcome to the Overcoming You podcast. I am your host, Josh Canuti. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you haven't done so already, please hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, leave us a comment. We love to hear your insights on our podcast and this episode. My guest today is none other than world championship soccer player Jessica McDonald. She was on the United States Women's World Cup championship team, and she'll talk about the road to the top. But she'll also talk about a very difficult upbringing and childhood that she had, an almost career-ending knee injury, how she went on six teams in five years, all while being a single mom and raising a young son. She'll talk about how she overcame all of that to become a world champion, an awesome mother, and an even greater person. Please welcome today my guest, Jessica McDonald. Tell me, all those trials and tribulations, all that struggle, all the times you didn't want to go through, the times that you thought it, it just fucking sucked this is terrible tell me when you stand on that podium and you are the best in the world was it worth it oh absolutely jessica mcdonald the world champion out of seven billion people on this planet nobody is better than you Nobody's better than your team. Come on, that has to feel good. I don't care how many times you hear it. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy to think about it in numbers like that. Um, you know, I just kind of got the chills a little bit. Actually hearing that number, so it's kind of wild. But obviously, I'm, I'm just very grateful at the end of the day. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, some of your pictures on Instagram, when you have that that roar and that that feeling of and when you're just like all ripped and just ah it makes <laughs> it makes me feel like i just want to pout on my chest and go run through a fucking wall so i just love seeing that i love seeing that power i love uh talking to world champions and it's you're in very very rare air where you literally can say there is nobody better than you or your team on the planet so many few people get to say that i just think it's so so cool so i really really appreciate you coming on yeah, no worries. Thank you so much for having me. So on this podcast, we all often like to just start with describe yourself in high school. Were you a jock? Were you the popular kid? Were you a quiet kid? The reason why we start there is that's where a lot of our identity and some of the things we start to have to overcome in later in life start. And so what were you like in high school? Um, I would definitely have to say I was definitely a jock. I was a multi-sport athlete and obviously I was able to take advantage of my athletic ability and I was very social as well. I had friends on the cheerleading team. I had friends who were in student council. I had friends who literally thought they were from a different planet. I mean, <laughs> I just had this variety of friends that I just knew. And if you see me now, like still friends with a lot of these people, it's just really funny because people are like, how did you guys even become friends? You guys have nothing in common. And so that was just me. I was just this, I was a jock, but I got along with everybody, and yeah, I ended up being the popular kid as well. So I was I was always a popular kid in high school from freshman year until senior year. Nice. Do you think being friends with all those different types of group really helped you once becoming on like a team atmosphere, being able to gel with all different types of personalities and stuff? Do you think that kind of set you up for that? A little bit. It also set me up to obviously being able to be more social with any and everybody, um, just because we just need kind people in this world. And I think just for me, I grew up in sort of like a hostile environment. And so the only thing I wanted to surround myself with and to obviously be as well was just, I guess, sort of this 
kind soul at the end of the day. And obviously just to be able to get along with everybody, Yeah. you know? And so like, I didn't want any friction. I didn't want any negativity in my life. Like we already have enough of it as is as human beings in general. Yeah. And so for me, I just wanted to add different types of light into my life. And I think that was just sort of my goal. Um, still, even still to this day, the random people that I have as friends, I have a really good friend who's like 60 years old and we like hang out. <laughs> and so that's just been my personality, just being able to obviously dip my toe in with different diversities, different personalities, no matter how old or how random of a person you are or how different you are. Um, at the end of the day, like we're all human beings and it's just nice to, I guess, sort of have the same thing kind of thrown back at me a little bit, especially with the people that I've been, been able to surround myself with. For sure. You know, you said before that sports was an outlet for you kind of growing up that you wanted to do anything that you could do to kind of get out of the house and sports was that, was that out outlet. Can you describe some of the difficulties you had, had growing up and why you wanted to just kind of be out? Yeah. So my mom, she was very strict with me like extremely she had my brother and I before graduating high school and so I can only imagine I guess her trying to raise two children when she's a child as well and so she had gone through a lot of abuse growing up and so she wanted to keep me from that and so that's where her being strict with me as her daughter kind of came in at and it got to the point where it almost became sort of verbal abuse and then sometimes physical abuse. And then, um, like I grew up watching her being abused as well from her boyfriend who helped take care of me in my first like 14 years in life. I would sit there and watch him beat my mother. And so I think because of that, it was just mentally challenging as a little girl watching my mother sort of go through this abuse, but then she's feeding it to me as well just witnessing just things like that, just how hostile the environment always was. It was just a very difficult thing to always just handle all the time as a child. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I was even allowed to get out of the house was a, if I was at a relative's house and hanging out with my relatives or obviously being on a sports team, because it, it kept me away from everything else. You know, the things that my mom always witnessed or the things that my mother went through. And so I understand to a certain extent why she, I guess, the way that she has always been. But, you know, it got it got mentally challenging. And I guess that's just where I get a lot of my mental toughness from. It's mm -hmm. because that no one can break my heart the way that my mother has. It doesn't get any worse than that. Yeah. And so sports was a stress reliever for me because I was allowed to play them. That was the only thing I was allowed to do growing up. And so I took advantage of it. I took advantage of being able to get out of the house all day and get home late at night and, you know, go to sleep, get back up early in the morning and do it all over again. And that was just sort of a way for me to have a peace of mind at the end of the day. And so, um, yeah, that's what pretty much motivated me to obviously continue to play sports. And that's exactly what sport means to me. Yeah, I can tell you from we sure some similar things growing up is that my my dad was extremely extremely physical extremely verbally abusive and I did the same thing as long as I could be outside doing something that's all I wanted to do and I think we kind of 
consciously or unconsciously have kind of done the same thing because we didn't maybe get the love and admiration that we would have wanted at home. We give it to everybody else in hopes to give it back. You know what you were saying earlier? That's why you just need nice people in the world. That's why you're nice to everybody. Exactly. I think you can use it for good. So I'm glad that both you and I do that. And I'm glad, you know, things worked out, but stuff, stuff like that can be really, really difficult growing up. So I definitely understand. But you had a guiding light, or at least a beacon of light, kind of two mentors. I know you've had a lot of them in your time growing up, but one was your grandma, and one was Paul Riley. Can you talk a little bit about how your grandma has been a light and some things that you maybe have learned from your coach, Paul Riley? Yeah, so my my grandmother, she helped raise me. Like I said before, I I had a young mom, and obviously she needed help, and so eventually like my grandmother ended up raising my brother and then she kind of took me under her wing every now and again when my mom needed it and so my grandmother's really strict with my mom too my grandmother had nine kids and she was a single parent so you can imagine like i guess sort of the grit that she had mentally and she grew up in the south and you know she witnessed things that we couldn't even imagine she witnessed things that we only see in movies that we don't see in real life and so just her being able to carry over the childhood that she had sort of getting out of that life and then trying to raise nine children on her own. You can imagine the sort of mentality that she's always had. And so she always had her kids, all my aunts and uncles in sports. And so sports was just like always our way out in this family. And so it was just always nice to just obviously get out of the house, but my support system the only person who has consistently been in my life, consistently been there for me, especially when it comes to obviously being at games and being at, you know, award ceremonies when, you know, I was able to get all these accolades growing up. The yeah. only person who has consistently been there and has not skipped a beat is my grandmother. And so she's strict too. She was strict yeah. on us as well. You know, we couldn't get away with anything with my <laughs> grandmother. And so her being able to, I guess, instill. Jessica, you were talking about your grandma being, um, you know, having nine kids, a little bit strict and was instilling. And then we had some audio issues. And then so kind of what were you talking about there? Yeah. So my grandmother, nine kids, single mom. Um, so you can imagine sort of the grit that she had mentally as a human being, because I mean, I have one child and that, that alone is a lot. So I can only imagine times nine. Yeah. And so obviously she had to be strict in some kind of way to be able to obviously discipline her children. And obviously she passed that down to us because she passed that down to her children and then her kids passed that down to us. And then, you know, we're, we're trying to, I don't know, I guess break this sort of barrier of, being overly strict with our kids, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And so with our kids, I feel like my grandmother's great grandchildren now, um, we're, we're sort of passing down this different kind of, I guess, discipline. And so we don't really want to use the same discipline that our parents use on us or that our grandmother used on us because mm-hmm. for us as kids, it was just so much. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's what shaped us into the human beings that we are today. So like without all of that, we and my like me and all my cousins, my brother, we wouldn't be the human beings that we are today. But I'm so thankful that we obviously went through all of that because that gave us a very strong mindset. And that's what my grandmother passed down to us. Like all the support that she's given us. Um, she's our number one fan. She's my number one fan. And 
no one can tell me otherwise. Like, obviously, I have all these young people. I have all these people around the world, like, saying, oh, my gosh, I'm your number one fan. I'm like, well, you're going to have to fight my grandmother for that, <laughs> for that spot because that's absolutely impossible. I'm telling you that right now. And so the really cool thing is that we were always able to rely on our grandmother, always. And she was always there on a drop of a dime. Hey, Grandma, I need to ride to practice. I got you. She'll drop everything she's doing and take me to training. You know, and so because she always wanted us, wanted us to stay focused and anything that would keep us out of trouble, out of harm's way, you know, anything, anything negative. You know, she was always just there, especially if it was for something that had to do with being competitive because she was a sports nut. Mm -hmm. Like she's obsessed with sports. You ask her anything about sports and any sport, she could tell you. And that's like the incredible thing about my grandmother is that she instilled us being jocks. She instilled this strong mentality amongst the entire family and so as time goes on obviously I have other people outside of my family sort of guiding me and, and mentoring me in a, in a very positive direction and it's just really cool to be able to yeah. dip my toe into <clears throat> different places and being able to receive information from different coaches friends uh, people who I just cross paths with uh, acquaintances whatever the case may be and then Obviously, here I am a pro, and it's like we get paid nothing in, at the pro level. And so yeah. out of the nine, eight years that I've been playing professionally, I've been a mother for seven of it, seven and a half years of it. And so I've almost just been a pro and a mom at the same time the entire time nearly. And so at the end of the day, what I'm trying to get at is we, we get paid nothing doing what we do in the NWSL. And so trying to be a parent and raising a child and trying to achieve my dream was, has always been mentally challenging for me, mentally and physically, because as athletes, we put our bodies through a lot every yeah. day. And so, and then coming home and having to do a whole nother job, take care of my child, it, it got tougher and tougher and tougher because I'm scraping pennies. I'm trying to take care of a child. My body's hurting mentally i'm trying to just stay in it and i knew physically i was still able to go and so here i am i get this incredible coach in college i have anson dorrance i mean it doesn't get any better than that and then you know i go through multiple coaches in this league and then i get to paul riley and the thing that stuck out about paul riley is he's one of those coaches that is able to test you out of your comfort zone mm. and so it's like okay well this is your strength well we need to make these other things your strengths like these are your weaknesses we need to work on these oh you've never done this before oh we're gonna do this today and so that's the cool thing about about paul riley he gets you out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. and not only that he he pushes you to another limit that you didn't even know you had inside of you because by the end of the season you're like wow we did all that wow i did all of that like, holy crap. But that comes from, obviously, him being able to teach us these things and then us being able to apply it into games and into training every day and all the repetitions. And I guess that's what separates Paul Riley from a lot of these coaches is that you look at our team and the core of our team, we got together of like four or five years ago, and people didn't even know who we were. Mm -hmm. But the entire world knows who we are. Yep after that first season having Paul Riley together because we were just a bunch of nobodies, but he turned us into somebody. He worked with scraps and was just like, 
well, these are your strengths. We're going to throw all these strengths together and then we're going to push it. Yeah. Push it to a different limit. And every year it gets better and better and better because we become more and more wiser as, as teammates, as people, as soccer players, you name it. Like our diets are completely different because it's so funny because I yeah. was just looking back at um, some highlights when we were the Western New York Flash a handful of years ago. And I was like, holy crap, you guys, like, look at us. And we just, we looked larger, I guess <laughs> you can say, like, weight-wise. But, like, you look at us now, and we're just this lean, green Beast. machine team now. You know what I mean? So, like, just him feeding us just all this info, being able to take care of our bodies outside of football, and being able to apply these things onto the field, which gives us longevity, you know, things like that. Just the little things that we train on at training. Yeah has definitely pushed us to another limit has definitely gotten us to where we are today because without his coaching tips and tactics a lot of us wouldn't be here a lot of us wouldn't have been at the world cup because i mean we had eight nine players from our club team that went to the world cup which is unheard of yeah you have there's two parts there that i'm so excited that you went over that i really want to want to tackle the first one is and i think it resonates with a lot of individuals here you are a person going after your dream you're you're a full-time mother the job that you're currently have does not pay what you would want it to pay or need it to pay but you still have this dream anybody the overwhelming majority of everybody else would quit and go get a go get another job you being a, a world champion i guarantee you even though you may not think i guarantee you, you can go get any sort of corporate job and you would flourish at it just because of your mindset and all that type of stuff how did you continue to push through, you know, when you have when you have a child and you're going through six teams in five years and not making the money that you want to make? What's the mentality to keep going through? What are some things that you're doing to overcome that portion? So one thing for me is my support system. That's that's the first thing. Um, so there was one off season where I was talking to one of my uncles um, and I was telling them, you know, the trouble I was having financially. I was tired of asking people for help because it sucks as an adult, like asking mm-hmm. for help if you're not financially stable and you're like trying to figure things out as a parent as well. And um, I was just like, I was just mentally drained because my bank account was drained, you yeah. know? And so it just, it, it just sucked. Like it, it just sucks financially. And yeah. I was like, that was the only thing that was just holding me back was just finances. And he was like, look, niece, like you have this ability. If you can physically still go, he's like, you need to continue going because look at your mom, look at your dad. My mom and dad gave up sports. They gave up on their dreams because they ended up having children because they weren't obviously financially stable. And so at the end of the day, so I, I grasped onto his words and then I had to look at my child like, do I want him to feel that disappointment in me because I gave up soccer mm. because it was hard, because finances wasn't right, because I don't want him to feel that same disappointment that I felt with my parents because they had given up just because they had kids. And so that was just another thing that clicked to me. It's like, okay, well, if I can still physically go, I, I can make this work. I've made it work for this long. I can continue to make it work. I just need to just figure it out and budget really well. And, you know, like I really had to put my foot down 
mentally mm-hmm. and, and, and financially as well. And so I was like, you know what, uncle, like, you're absolutely right. And then, you know, further down the line, those were just my thoughts. Like, wow, I can't just give up because it's hard. Yeah. Life in general is just hard. And those aren't things that we're taught. Like no one tells us life yes. is hard or, you know, you go to school for so many years. They don't teach you about taxes. They don't teach you about being a good human being. Like you don't get taught these things. You don't get taught real life right. things. And so we learn those things the hard way, yep. which sucks, you know? And so life for everybody, no matter how rich or poor you are, life is hard. And so I want to show my kid that, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's going to suck sometimes, but you got to get through it. Because if you have a goal and whatever it is that you're doing and you want to succeed in it, that's exactly what it's going to take. It's going to take hard work because it's going to be hard. And yes. it's going to suck sometimes. But you know what? I'm here for you, son. And I always will be because I didn't always consistently have people telling me these things. So I had to just learn as life went on. Like, okay, well, well, this sucks. Let me try something else. Or, you know, just yeah. little things like that. And so that's just my goal here is to guide my child in the right direction. I just want him to turn out just to be a good human being and just be hardworking and want him to succeed at whatever it is that he chooses to do. Yeah. And that's bottom line. That's what's pushed me to this day is that I don't want my kid to feel disappointed. I want him to feel inspired. So I wanted to flip all the negativity that has happened in my life, all the negativity that I've ever felt towards my parents, all the negativity that I ever felt against life and just flip that around, use that as motivation and turn it into something positive because I have another human being I have to worry about. I can't worry about negative things. I have to keep pushing, keep grinding, and keep freaking going because I have no choice but to because I have to take care of my child and I have to take care of his well-being as well. And, t- and tell me, all those trials and tribulations, all that struggle, all the times you didn't want to go through, the times that you, you thought it, it just fucking sucked, this is terrible. Tell me, when you stand on that podium and you are the best in the world, was it worth it? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Could, like, it was almost like, of course, I was overwhelmed with joy. Of course, I was very happy. But to be honest, I felt more relieved than anything, than any other emotion, than any other feeling. Whatever the case may be, I felt relief. And I've never felt such relief in my life. And it felt so damn good. I'll yes. tell you that. Yeah, I think that that feeling that on when you're on that podium and you went through all of that stuff, it's single-handedly one of the best feelings in this world. And it doesn't have to be something so monumental as winning the the world championship that you did. It can just be, hey, you're a single mom, single dad, and you're pushing through, pushing through, and you get that next promotion. It's all worth it. But the thing is, is that nobody can ever give you that feeling. You have to go through the trials and tribulations. You have to go through the sacrifice. You have to go through the muck and the mile until you get on that podium, whatever that that figurative podium is. But that feeling is so monumental. And that's why I love talking to individuals like you, because you have a very, very difficult backstory, a very, very difficult time going through, through it. And you're saying that, hey, I, there was times I didn't want to go. There's times I felt bad at times of struggle, times of I wanted to throw in the towel. But let me tell you, it is all worth it as long as you don't stop. I freaking love that. It fires me up. I want to go 
lift weights or or go do something right now. <laughs> so do I. Yeah. And I'm like, my body's over here hurting. I'm like, I feel like going to the gym now. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I want to go uh, do some CrossFit or, or some Muay Thai before my next meeting here. Let me see. So you had a, what type of knee injury did you have? You had a knee injury during your come during your career, right? Yeah. So my rookie year, um, the end of my rookie year, I ruptured, fully ruptured my patellar tendon. Dang. Yeah. And science told me no. Science told me that I will not be able to play sports at a high level again. And, <laughs> but God said no. And that's when I really had to rely on my faith. That's for sure. So when you hurt your knee, I'm always interested because this is this example can be people can use it throughout the regular life it doesn't have to be a physical physical stop or physical barrier you're you're in the throes of it you're working out you're on the road to your goal boom knee goes out your knee gets busted what's some of the first mental things that go through your mind that instant it's so crazy because a teammate of mine came over and i didn't know what to think in that moment i mean i almost blacked out pretty much when it happened I was in the middle of a game and it happened and a teammate ran over. Her name was Ella Masser and she was like, what's wrong? And I I just said, look at my knee. And then she looked and then she looked at me wide eyed. And then she was just like, we're going to pray. We we need to pray like right now. And so we said a prayer and then I got taken out on the stretcher because I couldn't physically walk. Wow. And um, I'll never forget when the doctors checked me out on the sideline. They told me immediately what it was, and I just broke down crying because the last thing I wanted, the last thing you want as an athlete is any type of injury. Like, you can play through, like, some nicks and pains here and there, and it sucks, but, like, an injury that actually physically keeps you from playing, it's probably one of the worst feelings. And so in that moment, I was shocked, and I was just very sad. I was just so sad because... I use sports to obviously like keep me away from everything, you know? And so not being able to do it, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life in that moment. I was like, what am I going to do? What am I supposed to do? And I'm this 22 year old kid and still like figuring out life. Like we all figure out life, you know, once Mm -hmm. we're done with college and like, we don't, we don't know red from blue, you know? And so it was just that, that moment it was like life just rushed at me in that moment and it was just very terrifying more so than anything yeah like screw the pain grew like was it painful i was like i don't even know if it was painful Uh i was i was terrified you know like i i was worried about my life after that not not the pain screw the pain i don't care about pain right like i could deal with pain you know physical pain but like in that moment it was just scary because I didn't have much, you know, I'm like this broke rookie. Like I had no home to go back to, Mm -hmm. to, you know, get everything done. Like I, I just didn't know what to do. And that's what like hit me. Life, life hit me. That's, that's what happened. That's what I thought about was just life. And yeah. So you're, you're sitting there after kind of that initial feeling that most of us go through when they have these massive setbacks here, you have pretty much everybody, including the doctor saying, you know, your kind of career is over. How did you overcome that? What did, did you just go? The thing that I've realized is when I talk to individuals or people like yourself is that it's kind of one of two things. Either have 
these people that rip the Band-Aid off and go, nope, I'm coming back full strength, screw you, or you have people that set a very clear step-by-step path, go, hey, I don't know if I'm going to come back, but I'm going to try, and the first step is this, the next step is this. So how did you end up overcoming this whole knee injury? Because people are telling you that basically your career is over, but in your head or something inside of you says no. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, during my recovery, recovery, they given me two years to recover. That's how long a recovery it is Whoa. because you have to rebuild your quad muscle. And patellar tendon is like the most important tendon in your knee. Like it's worse than ACL. Like people don't even like not, not a lot of people know that. Mm-hmm. People think I tore my ACL. And I'm, no, I did way worse than that. Yeah, I, I had to rebuild my muscle, my quad muscle, because your patellar tendon is connected to it. And so it was a two-year recovery they had given me. And so one year in, I actually ended up pregnant with my kid. Actually, a little, a little less than a year. Whoa. I ended up pregnant with my kid. And so during rehab, initially, I, I thought I was done. I was just training, and I was just rehabbing, and I was coaching. That was like my job. I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And so I was working and I was rehabbing and um, just trying to figure out life and then find out I'm pregnant. And then um, I thought for sure, I'm not gonna lie to you. I thought for sure I was done. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to play again because like playing again, actually it didn't cross my mind too many times Mm -hmm. because like I was just trying to figure out life at this point. Sure. And so once I had my kid, I was training every day. I was still rehabbing and training every day, even when I had my kid. And I was still coaching. I Even when he was a newborn, I had him outside at the field while I was coaching. And he came to rehab with me. My trainer, he made me use my kid as a weight, which sucked <laughs> because, obviously, initially, he was 7 pounds. And then kind of a couple weeks later, he was 25 pounds. <laughs> and, you know, he's having the time of his life, like a baby being thrown up in the air and I'm over here catching him doing squats and like crazy stuff like that and so I was training and then I had this opportunity to play with the semi-pro team you know my kid was just like a few months old and I was like sure you know for fun I'll I'll go play you know so I was playing and I was like wow I actually feel fine and so I kept playing kept playing and then this coach in Australia found out that I was like playing again and mind you, I wasn't this like big name player or Mm -hmm. anything, you know, like maybe in college, but not at the pro level. And so this Australian coach found out like I was training again and emailed Anson Dorrance, my old college coach and was like, Hey, do you think Jessica would be available to play in Australia? And, um, because Anson had found out I was training, and so I think yeah. that's just kind of how this coach found out that I was training again. Gotcha. And and I wasn't even training seriously. I was just playing for fun at this point. I had, like, accepted that my career as a professional athlete was might have been over. Sure. But, um, you know, I was training again, and I was still in contact with Anson at this point, and um, he was checking on me, and I told him I was training again, and then he asked me if I'd be interested in actually playing at the pro level again in australia and this was like a eight week season maybe a little more than eight weeks Mm -hmm. and so i was like australia wow i was like sure you know question mark right 
And so I ended up going to Australia and that's when like I figured, okay, maybe, maybe I'm like, okay to like play, you know? And so I ended up leading my team to their first grand final in history. Whoa. And yeah. And I was our leading goal scorer that year, which is like wild. And mind you, I'm coming off like this. I hadn't played in two years and for them to want to give me a chance was was wild because I wouldn't be here right now where I'm at today without obviously that that opportunity to yeah. play there for for a handful of weeks. And so I went, succeeded, and then that was when the WPS or not the WPS, excuse me, um, the NWSL came about. That was when it just started. Was when my Australian season had ended, and that was when I. Like, just only then, Australia was when, two years after injury, was when I realized, like, oh, wow, maybe this is, like, really going to happen again. Yeah. And that was it. Initially, like, throughout the recovery, throughout my pregnancy, n no, I didn't think I was going to play again. I just played for fun, and I accepted it, and I was coaching and figuring out life, and then here we are. It yeah. was just very, very random. Yeah. But yeah. You know, you said something. I want to kind of connect some some dots for, for the listeners, is that... I want to kind of go back and then come back to Australia. So as you're grow growing up, um, you know, you have kind of the the tough go at it as some difficulties in the household. Grandma's kind of a guiding light telling you, keep going, keep going, stepping outside of your comfort zone. And then you really get pushed with Paul Riley, where he just tests you to no limits and you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. You're doing things that you can't do. And then fast forward, you step out of your comfort zone again, go to Australia and no then the ball continues to roll, roll in life, and then that all, all leads to that world championship standing up on that podium. And I think people forget that it's, the more times you step out of your comfort zone, the more times, as long as it's the right thing to do, and you know in your heart whether it's the right thing to do, but the more times you step out of your comfort zone towards your goal or towards something that you want, you never know what the next thing is going to come. You had no clue you going to Australia would lead you to a world championship. There's no way you could have known that. But since you since you were pushed as a kid, since you got into this habit of stepping out of your comfort zone and, and charging ahead, it ended up working out for the best. And I think I truly believe in my heart the more times you do that, the more times you become successful and more times it leads to something good. But the thing is most people won't get out of their comfort zone. Most people will tear, tear their patella and then uh, become pregnant and go, well, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to go. Most people won't go through six teams in five year, years and go, yep, I still want to go. Most people won't do that. And that's why you're a champion. And that's why I want to hear people. Or I want people listening to this to hear that and hear your story and realize that, Hey, yes, you have some God given talents, no doubt about it. But one of the biggest attributes that you have is to push forward and to get outside of your comfort zone. And that's why you're a world champion. Absolutely. So I know we're kind of wrapping up on time, but uh, you have some things kind of going on in your life. I want to kind of turn it over to you and kind of what do you got going on? What's your, your Instagram, any projects you have going on? And then I have just one last question for you. Yeah, so I have a lot of speaking engagements going on and one wild thing so i've been doing public speaking for a few years now and it's kind of one of my favorite things to do and when i used to do public speaking when i started off for the past few years the only thing i would speak about would be my soccer career i talk about sports and like it's going to take hard work and dedication to be successful 
I, the beginning of this year, I had spoken in front of this Rotary Club. And these men and few women were twice to three times my age. And so this is like the first group I'm speaking in front of who needed no kind of motivational speech. Right. And so I was like, what am I supposed to talk about <laughs> with these people? Like these people are retired and successful and they donate a lot of money to different organizations. Like that's their life. Now they sure. go and play golf and like, you know, and so I need to step out of my comfort zone. And that was my first time beginning of this year. This was in February beginning of this year. I finally spoke about my life story and what actually got me to where I am today. My why. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm speaking up about my why, because I was never vocal about my life story ever. I've only spoken about sports and like how I've just succeeded and all these accolades in sports. And now I'm starting to talk about my why. And now I have all these opportunities to go and speak to colleges, to club teams, and to just all different types of age groups, which is really cool. Yeah. And to talk about my why and not just sports, because not everybody relates to sports. Not everybody's an athlete. Not everybody has even played a sport. And so now I'm able to capture the audience's attention in a different kind of way. And so that's what I was able to do with the Rotary Club. It's like I got all this feedback. People were just very inspired by my story. You know, people who are retired, but these are people who have also gone through things that they were able to relate to me, yep. which was really cool to see. And it was like, wow, what a relief. Like a lot of these people actually relate to me. These people are like successful. And obviously that's what's pushed them in their life too. You know, like, oh, my mom was an alcoholic. Oh, I was abused growing up. Like, things like that. And I was like, wow, that's amazing that you relate to me. It sucks that we relate in that kind of way. Yeah. But it's really cool that I was able to capture their attention. So now I'm speaking about my why. So now I'm doing a lot of these speaking engagements about my why. And obviously to talk about the World Cup and my experience there and, and things like that. So anytime anybody wants me to come and speak I would be more than happy to so that's just sort of my secondary career right now sure. and I've been absolutely enjoying that and so my email is jmac jmac3208 at gmail.com or my instagram is at jmac jmac1422 and yeah just contact me if you want me to come and speak and I'd be more than happy to. Awesome. And I'll put that in the uh, show notes and everything thing as well at the bottom of the page. So cool. So one last thing, actually, I want, want you to give two pieces of advice to do two different people. One, a piece of advice if when your son is out on the playground, maybe he's 25, 35 years old, whenever he is, and he doesn't feel like he feels like he wants to give up. And what would you want to be able to whisper in his ear? And then the second individual, a young girl wanting to strive and drive for her, her goal, whether it be in athletics, whether it be in, in arts, or whether it be in business, whatever it is, and they feel like they should just give, give up, like some of those things that you went through. So what pieces of advice would you give to your son when he wants to give up? And then what would you do to a young gal coming up trying to achieve their goals? So something I would tell my son if he felt like giving up is this is – the one life 
that you get. You don't you don't get another life. And it may suck right now, but you can push through this. And I can give him a story where I I would relate to him in that moment because I'm pretty sure I, I would. Yep. And so I would also tell him, like, this is your opportunity. You need to capture it. Do not let it go. And don't stop until you want to achieve what you want to achieve. Because not a lot of people get the opportunities that you get. Not a lot of people have the same the same strengths as you. Everybody has different strengths. Everybody has, you know, their their different careers. And so take advantage of yours right now. It may suck, but you get through these sucky parts and it's going to be so worth it in the end. And for a little girl out there who wants to achieve greatness, I would tell her this. There are going to be people out there who are going to tell you you can't do something because you're a girl or people who are going to leave your corner because they don't agree with what you're trying to do. There are going to be people who are going to talk badly about you and that's going to suck. But turn those things into positivity, turn those things into motivation. If you have a goal, set it and do not stop until you get there because you can do it. You can, you tell yourself that you can do it and that's all that you need is belief in yourself and believe that you're going to do it. Yes. Jessica McDonald, thank you so, so much. You are one badass chick, an awesome mom, a great granddaughter. You are literally the best in the world in your craft, period, end of story. And you are no doubt an overcomer of great proportions. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, really enjoyed talking to you. I need to go throw some uh, weights around or something because I'm all <laughs> fired up and my hair is standing up and stuff like that. I just love talking to People, people like yourself, because you know it's your story is just so so cool and such an overcomer. I just really appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.